0: Hello.
1: Hi, Rachel. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm very excited to be back uh, with these three special episodes that we're presenting to our lovely listeners right now.
1: That's right. We are back for a new year, and uh, we did three live episodes, two of them in Edinburgh at the festival and one at the London Podcast Festival in King's Place. And that's what we're going to be putting out over the next three weeks. So obviously we hope you like those and we look forward to doing many more in the weeks, months, years, decades, (laughs) millennia. To come,
0: These three could be considered your sweet treat for the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah, an extra little gift to you from us.
1: Absolutely. So grab an apple and dip into what we've got to offer. First of all, however, we do need to just check in. Rachel, it's been a while, but what is the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week?
0: My most Jewish moment was on Rosh Hashanah. I had very complicated arrangements for the different four significant meals of Rosh Hashanah with different guests coming and going and then one meal where we were going to my sister-in-law. And there's a visiting rabbi in our community, Rabbi Benji Myers, who I've known since he was about 12 or 13 years old. So I said to the committee, we'll host him for as many meals as you want, except for that one lunch when we're out because we're old friends. And then you don't have to have the faff of finding kosher homes him to eat at. And we agreed that he was going to eat at our house both nights, Rosh Hashanah one and two first night came and Mark brought him home from shul from synagogue and I introduced him to the other guests and we were having a lovely chat about to sit down for dinner when someone knocks at the door and it turned out to be the actual rabbi as in our normal synagogue rabbi who had come um, to fetch rabbi benji myers from our house because they thought he was eating at their house and so began a very complicated argument about who she should eat at
1: wow that's like the vicar of dibley episode where she has three christmas meals yeah um, also i like the fact that you said they came to fetch which does sound like they came to kvetch <laughs> uh, like fetch is not a yiddish word but as we learned from the west wing fetch should be a yiddish word
0: 100 percent. and also bereft i wasn't bereft sounds like a yiddish word but we were trying to make suggestions and he was just like saying i'm not going to be the one who decides and so i was saying well we've got this this is what you're going to eat And then they were going. This is what you're going to eat in our house. So that was like the first thing, like comparing the food. And then I said, well, why don't we stand equidistant away from him, and like he can stand in the middle. We can both call him and see who he goes towards. And then we said, uh, maybe we should be like King Solomon and suggest cutting him in half. And then whoever really, um, you know, cares about him the most will say, no, no, let him go to the other person. And I was like, you clearly haven't ever tried competing with me on anything, because even if I knew that was the right thing to do, I'd still. we're like, yeah, chop him, chop him. In the end, we decided to allow him to leave and go to them for first night and come to us for second night because that seemed like the fairest thing to do. But also I was very smug in the knowledge that I would be proven correct and that he was meant to come to us for both.
1: It's got to be better for him to come to you second so you can talk about how things were on the first night.
0: Yeah, I did. Every time I brought anything to the table, I was like, but you didn't have lamb last night.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah. It's, it's like um on Come Dine With Me or something where someone <laughs> cooks, I don't know, a steak and it's like, well, I'm doing steak on my night. You know, it's, it's proper competition. But if, you've, if you're if you on the last night, it doesn't matter because you know what everyone else has done. Therefore, you can just do your thing. Well, so, my very husband, good.
0: who knows me pretty well, I think it was fair to say, he, he did a proper snigger when I'm um, on the second night of Rosh Hashanah there's a tradition as many people know having new and exotic fruits so you can say a special blessing and I put it on the table the platter with all the new fruits on it. I went wouldn't have had that last night would you <laughs> but he wouldn't have had it anyway because you only do it the second night but also yes was, I understood <laughs> it was uh it was very enjoyable it was just fun to be able to rub it in What's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you this week? Was it a Rosh Hashanah special moment?
1: It was. We went to the cemetery on Sunday, the day before Rosh Hashanah, just mm-hmm. for our annual pilgrimage to visit my grandma who lives there now. We always take some apple and we take some honey and we dip it and that, that's where we do it. It's a tradition. But my youngest son doesn't eat honey, it turns out. I mean, there are lots of things he doesn't eat. He likes them all. just doesn't eat them. But we went to a honey farm in Devon when we were on our holiday, just after Edinburgh. Quince's Honey Farm in Devon. Uh, Went there, the whole family. It's very nice. We had a wonderful tour. I can recommend it to anyone. You get to make a wax candle, which is very nice. You get a tour. You you see where the bees are working. You get to meet the Queen, which, hmm, sorry, too soon, but you do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there's a shop, obviously, and we bought some uh, honey, local honey from there. But we also bought because my son loves peanut butter. Hmm. We bought honey nut roasted peanut butter.
0: Wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. It is,
1: and we were saving it, so we didn't open the peanut butter or the local honey until Rosh Hashanah. We want, yeah, you because know, we try and do that each year. Hmm. That's what he had. So whilst we were all dipping our apple in honey, like you know, human Jews, he was. <laughs> He had a spoon of this crunchy peanut butter, which is delicious, by the way. Yeah. And he, he was dipping his apple. So that, that I guess, was the most Jewish thing that we, we've we managed to adapt and maybe create a new tradition.
0: Right. Took the apple and the peanut butter.
1: Over my grandma's... Dead Over baby. your
0: grandma's grave. It's, I don't know if that's going to catch on. Can you imagine if next year you find like a whole load of people who listen to this gathered around your grandma's grave with their peanut butter and apples?
1: Yeah, I do think I should make it clear to anyone who's listening, please do... Make it your grandmother, grandfather. <laughs> like, don't come to mine. I'm not even telling you which cemetery it is. Don't come to mine. Find someone that you care about who's dead and do it. It's, an, it's a nice tradition, actually, because we all come together. We clean the grave. It looks very nice. Light a candle and put some stones down and eat some apple and honey. Or what a lovely
0: day out. Yeah. We're talking about meeting the Queen. This is a brilliant moment to introduce the episode with our guest, Reuben Kay, who was phenomenal.
1: He was an absolutely delightful guest this was our first live recording at Edinburgh in fact our first live recording ever and he was such a dream to work with he he didn't even want preparation he just wanted to answer the questions freely and naturally and really delightful episode a cabaret star a singer dancer
0: and an amazing comedian I mean a queen
1: bee if ever there was one so we hope you enjoy this week's episode
0: Rachel Krieger
1: and I'm Philip Simon. We are two Jewish comedians.
0: I'm Orthodox, so from Friday night to Saturday night, I switch off from the fringe and I appreciate Shabbat.
2: And I'm reformed, so I spend Friday night to Saturday night refreshing my sales reports every three minutes to check on tickets for my show. <laughs> this show is the audio equivalent of the Royal Mile, adored by tourists, worth it when you get to the end, and littered with the hopes and dreams of one-time drama students. <laughs>
0: In each episode, we chat to our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they Loch Ness or Lochshan?
1: Welcome to <laughs> You Talking to Me, live from the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs>
0: Let's introduce our very special guest. He's a multi-award winning comedian, singer, cabaret artist, and according to his website... What happens when you tell your children they can be anything? It's Reuben Kay.
2: Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here. Now, regular listeners to our podcast will know we always like to find out how our guests describe their Jewish background. So you know that I'm Reform and Rachel's Orthodox. But Reuben, what
3: kind of a Jew are you? <laughs> <laughs> I some food based. Absolutely. Food and music, culturally, culturally. I was raised uh, reform, but even we were sort of like the reform of reform. We were sort of religion adjacent. (laughs) Uh, My dad, um, so some background, my my mum was a refugee from the war to Australia when they offered only 7,000 passports. But, oh, my God, what a bonus that was compared to the rest of the world. And then my grandparents, because they're smart, defected to East Berlin, because they were massive communists that wanted to rebuild communism, and we all know how that worked out. <laughs> and then my grandmother kind of had to make a decision whether she was going to leave my well she she had to, she had to get out because my grandfather was a kind of a, a toxic corrupt guy in the Stasi, and she needed to get out. She was also a bipolar fashion designer for um, the state. And so she was like stem. So she had to leave. So she investigated taking her two children, my uncle Helmut and my mum, Karen. Or One or neither, and she chose my mum and she got out of East Berlin just before the war went up. Uh, So um, that's mum's story. And then my dad's parents, Rosa and Samuel, he was a Polish Jew from Warsaw. She was from Kamchatka in Russia. And together they met in a labor camp where they were building railroads for Stalin. And it was easier to get a bigger sleeping arrangement if you were married.
0: That's still true, actually. Still true. The first people to marry for a tax break. And, right?
3: and my grandmother's like this very tall, gorgeous, busty kind of Amazon Russian woman. And My grandfather, Sam,'s like the tiny little Nudnik. But he was a watermaster at the camps who was in charge of where all the food was. And someone said to her, If you want soup, you can stick a spoon up in, marry him. Mm-hmm. So she walked up to him and said, Marry me. And he went, I don't know you. He says, yeah but look at you and look at me <laughs> <laughs> and he went you're right I'll marry you they got a bigger place uh, and then at the end of the war Stalin was basically like um, anyone who's not Russian get the f*** out anyone remotely introduced get out so they left post-war Poland was as we all know a dream <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they went to Australia so through that my dad was more a believer than mum mm-hmm. I think through um, uh, through their their individual bringing up, I think. And so my dad really was the, the forefront, the motivating force, the engine of the religion in the family. He was our connection to our synagogue, uh, Leo Beck. Uh, he was uh, the reason that we all went through Bar Mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the end of that, I remember my rabbi saying to me, um, or me saying to my rabbi, after what was a fairly theatrical bar mitzvah,
0: really? where I really enjoyed riffing, but not necessarily any of the
3: prep work. It's, um, kind of like the only time a bar mitzvah has ever had material by Jackie Mason. Because <laughs> um, that's what it was raised on. And, and I said to him, I don't think religion and belief in a higher power and organized religion something I connect with and I remember my rabbi saying to you very clearly all you have to do is treat people the way you want to be treated and you will be a good Jew Mm -hmm. and for me that stuck with me as one of the main connections I have to my Judaism and the fact that Judaism is one of the few religions that encourages analysis, questioning, criticism, Um, not just in Parenting, obviously, in 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 your struggle with God or your struggle with your religion, you know. And I don't know how to know God as a, in a reality or as a concept. Like everything's a concept these days. Gender is a concept. Beautiful. Thank you,
0: <laughs> Ruben, What is the most Jewish thing that's
3: happened to you recently? I'm a Jewish homosexual doing a song and dance show in an arts festival. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Do, do you know what? I'll, I've had a very big struggle since coming to um, back to the UK and Europe. I want to make sure that it's very clear: Scotland is part of Europe. Um, yeah. As a person, I go to London, and I'm like, "Oh, bless you! Yeah. <laughs> you buyers' remorse." I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy to self-define to as Scottish. Yeah, correct. Correct. <laughs> correct. Uh, And the main thing is, the first thing I do when I go to uh, a festival, so I'm there for the month normally, and the first thing I do is I make soup um, because it's it's in my DNA. And it's my grandmother's soup that I can't get right, but I keep advancing the recipe. (laughs) And the main ingredient in it is, of course, dill. And can you find dill in this country or in the UK at this time of year? Can you so I'm so sorry. You told me not to swear at the start of this.
0: And it I'm just saying,
3: like, no, I'm so sorry. Um, can you bog and, up? <laughs> and then it's I was a bit walking down really the road. road. Just a lot of beeping. Just beeping for the children. Um, I was walking down my road and there's a big grey shop. Mm-hmm. And it says in huge lettering, like, Taste of Poland. And nothing could be more polished than the oppressiveness of that shop. (laughs) It's great. And then I walked in, and sure enough, in the corner of it was one, like, semi-wilted, like, (laughs) thing of dill. And the joy in my heart. (laughs) And I grabbed every bit they could. And they've got pilmeni, and they've got pierogi. And I grabbed it all, and I went home, and I'm on a little ton of, like, what was it, a two-electric stove induction burner, two, um, what are those things called? Ring things. Ring things. Ring things. Pops. 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 That, that sounds less gay. One <laughs> more gay. I don't know. No, no, I don't know. He's the on the hob. Um, and so I'm down, Like so I'm searing chicken and then I'm boiling the thing and I can make make soup and pometi with lots of dill in it. And um, that was pretty Jewish.
0: As a Jewish mother, that really made me feel warm and, and cosy. That's lovely. Yeah.
2: I do yeah. feel that if you're talking about this, this wilted piece of dill that's just in the shop, they're going to come in tomorrow and the manager's going to go, where's that dill? It's been there for six years. <laughs> <laughs> no one's taken it. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Room in case in town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's how they know. Uh, well, that's good. So thinking about the Fringe, because there's obviously a lot going on in the world at the moment. It's traumatic time for everyone. But we, we like to check in with our guests and ask what's the matter bubbler so Ruben you're at the fringe what's going on what, what's what's grinding your gears
3: I don't know I think you try to you try to compartmentalize excuse me didn't know that reflects the word um, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you try to compartmentalize the good things that are happening to you individually as a person so you know my careers I'm having quite a nice moment in my career where Mm -hmm. there's a lot of interest, which is in any artist that is rare as hen's teeth. for Anyone to be interested in you more than you are yourself. Um, And the shows are being nicely reviewed. We're selling very well. All of those things. Yet it's within the, within the confines of a world that increasingly feels like it's kind of doing the ring around the toilet bowl before it goes down. There's a lot of things that are happening, um, Specifically, in my my community, the queer community. Whether you look at the the international kind of turning of the blind eye about the monkeypox outbreak that's happening in our communities,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, that are severely affecting people, permanent scarring, horrific pain. Uh, you look at how weaponized we are, the trans community are being, um, and dehumanized. And GOP politicians in the states are openly adopting. I'm I'm going to say it's genocidal policies, we're going to put you on registers, we're going to isolate you from society, we're burning books, there are militias being formed. People go, oh, you can't compare this to what our people have gone through. But we're already at seven out of the ten stages of genocide mm-hmm. that have been put against that community. Environmentally, where are we headed? All of that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, it's, it's, we all have to do this juggling match where we look at how where the darkness is in the world and what we can do in a small way to change it and how we can exist in it and still celebrate the beautiful things that we have in our lives. I think the,
2: environmentally at the Fringe is very difficult to kind of get your head around oh. as well because we've yeah. got we've got flyers being given everywhere, posters everywhere. It,
0: it's technology, just, doing technology things. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. Everything, sort of air conditioning, churning well, our out.
3: Our entire existence, our entire existence is is kind of still working on systems that were put in place before we really knew the long term effects of what those yeah. systems would be. Yeah. And the small like undoing is just
0: the and relearning I think is just something we're all gonna have to go through. Yeah, definitely. Particularly the flyering, it's 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 an yeah. kind of interesting thing to see um, everyone talk about environmental credentials as we hand out things that are non recyclable right? Yeah, all
3: this wax to <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just moving them.
0: that a tiny bit <laughs> underneath something else yeah. so we don't focus on the flyers on the table. <laughs> yeah. um, Ruben, uh, we have in the audience actually a previous guest, Esty, who turns up here with a chicken sandwich for me so that I shouldn't be hungry before we do the recording. <laughs> and it is so hot in this room that I was scared to leave it anywhere. And in fact, the dressing room is like very hot, so now it's balanced on top of the air conditioning unit over in that corner, because the biggest focus for all of us, including you, is food. Yeah. And certainly when I phone home, the first thing you ever ask me is, have you eaten yet? So, uh, have you got any particular memories connected to Jews and food, or a food other than the soup that you've already mentioned? So
3: I've been trying to find this, and maybe some people in the audience can maybe shed some light on this. My grandmother, Rosa, was Mad. She she was raised as a peasant in this tiny Russian town. The great story is, oh, I had to wait for my sister to come home from morning school so I could put on her shoes to go to afternoon school. That kind of thing. And I'm convinced that when she moved to Australia and suddenly she had a two bedroom apartment at the top of an apartment block in Kew, that she was, and all she could do was fill her fridge with chocolate ice cream and chocolate Mm. yogurt, and she could have sweet fruit juice. And she could wear all of the plastic jewelry that she could every day, and catch she thought she was the Grand Princess Anastasia. She just she must have been like I'm the queen of the world compared to what she grew up with, and she was mad. And she used to have amazing cooking experiments with her amazing plough rice, and she used to try and make her own um, cherry brandy, oh. which I, I don't know what the Russian word for break fluid is, but
0: <laughs>
3: and she used to, she made me this theme which was cold I think it was cold cold cherry soup
0: yeah.
3: with cherry dumplings on top with um sour cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've never been able to find it again. I've never even I've tried to talk to it people go, I don't
2: really know. Now you know the is. challenge of this show, because quite often people say, I it's this and I've never been able to find it. Rachel has a guide for everything. So there's every <laughs> chance she right now has a number. So do I but it's not for food. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> my grandmother used to make uh, that cherry soup. I'm pretty sure. Do you have a recipe for it? But I can get one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I told you. I told you. There we go.
3: That's
0: all that's worked
3: well. out well. That'd be amazing. Thank you. I
2: really love that. Was it was, it, no, it was a hot soup? Was a cold it was soup? A fruit, oh, fruit, fruit soup. Fruit oh, soup. Fruit soup. I
0: wish I like was the I name thought. of the next show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I know. I didn't really like it because I felt like it was too much of not what you expected to have, and also because in my family there was also borscht yeah and they look very oh, so similar we didn't
3: have we didn't we had it was like part of it but we never really were a borscht family it's gross we
0: i am. mean i'm sorry if anyone here loves it no i oh love, god, I I'm love getting it, offended
3: had it. Well, i got a question oh my god i had the question and i was, oh that's right are you a sweet or a savory person
0: i'm a savory person generally
3: right sorry Don't don't even speak that language. I'm a sugar fiend. I'm an absolute sugar fiend. I'm more sweet, but with certain foods you want savory. But I'm I'm more
2: sweet. I
0: like a vanilla rugelach. Vanilla. (laughs) Vanilla. (laughs) Vanilla. I I can't have caffeine, so I can't have chocolate. I did used to like um, chocolate, but I have brought with me. FYI, um, a packet of Vanilla Rogala for emergency use. It's in the freezer in our flat. And if I have a really bad day, I'm going to...
3: Is that like your fire escape axe? Yes, Make rugula in case of emergency. You know
0: when they say to you like, If your house was burning yeah. down, what's the one thing? Exactly. Yeah. And the, rugula. the best thing of all is by the time you get out they'll be nice and defrosted.
2: I like I do like sweet we've been asking a few questions to some of the uh, Jewish performers at the fringe about whether they like uh, sweet pickle or salty pickle, for instance. Uh, like uh, with pickles with dill, things like that, um, and it does seem to be a real divide between those that like salty and those that like sweet. I actually like a salty pickle you? more than I stop it, more than I like
3: <laughs> more than I like a sweet pickle.
0: <laughs> right, interesting.
3: But I am a I'm a sweet tooth, Absolutely sweet tooth. Okay, and then I has have an oat milk latte with three sugars. Yay.
0: So sorry,
3: do no, so it doesn't have to be sorry uh, at all. I
2: want a tiramisu in a cup. Oh, tiramisu is <laughs> good. Latte. Yeah. Let's see with with pickles, if I'm having a pickle to buy itself, I want a sweet pickle, if it's with yeah. something in a sandwich then it can be sorted. Yeah. Do you know that I yeah. think yeah, we pickles, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: pickles are probably the subject of most discussion on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so here, we have people like tweeting us about pickles. There's a whole thing, one of our, our previous guests, Rachel Mars has a thing on YouTube called Pickle Watch It's a very, I think people don't understand, it's one of our five a day in fact if you like salty and sweet because it can be two of your five a day. So. And also if you've got a battery
3: you can make a light bulb like it's a survival food yeah, it, is <laughs> so. it is the food of the apocalypse, it never goes off and yeah. you just,
0: excuse me I'm so sorry,
3: I've really then, it, It's the pickles. It's the, the reflex,
2: is what it is yeah. that's the We're most Jewish thing to happen to me
3: today <laughs>
0: To say, we've got two open jars of pickles, different ones his ones and mine in our Edinburgh fringe flat as we speak. Yeah.
3: That's wonderful. And I've that's actually good. got a sweet, I've got a sweet child pickles after saying I don't like them. I've got a sweet child pickles from the Polsky really? because I'm like, it's all in Polish and I don't read Polish, I don't speak Polish. My parents never taught me their languages. I could have grown up speaking Yiddish, Polish, German, and Russian, mm. yeah, and I never. Um, they never instilled that in me. They never gave it to me. They want me to be Australian, even though yeah. my dad wanted me to be a religious Jew. No, it's a shame. They can't win them all. No, <laughs> no that is the story of our people. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But yeah, well, one would be nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just give us one.
0: i make it last for eight days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel we've
2: had time. Uh, right, let's, we're going to talk about prejudices now. It's about arguments that people have. Uh, we 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 often like to think about. I went near looking at me weirdly. Oh, right? I was looking
0: at you with John. interest, you just got used to it. No,
2: that is weird, that's why. That's why. Oh, you saying something of interest, wow. Um, so, we know that Jews love a that so we like to have an argument it's the pettier the better. Uh, for us, quite often it's about whether we pronounce it bagel or bigel. I if there's a consensus in the room. Give me a cheer for bagel. Give <laughs> me a cheer if you're wrong. No. It's no. bagel, by the way, if you are a British Jew, particularly from
0: the east of London.
2: And on the way out we will be handing out badges you can have we got two, one says team bagel, one says team bagel. I like to think we'll be using the bagel ones first. But that that's one of the biggest <laughs> brogueses that can crop up. But uh, Ruben we want to know if there's any brogueses that you want to share with us. And the pettier the better any arguments that you remember from Jewish life.
3: I was raised by parents who are pretty conflict diverse. Like my dad was just was like the the kindest, most gentle, really never liked to ever make a fuss about anything. And my mum's quite strident, um, but still very fair. So petty arguments weren't really... I know it sounds odd for a Jewish family, they weren't really part of the thing. However, me and my brother will murder each other over just the inflection of, how are you today?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or, what do you mean by that?
3: Or, that was a really... Yeah, that was a good show. I was like, what do you mean? What was the... What was the... That was a... That was a good show. Why did you stop and rephrase? <laughs> what were you going to say? That. My brother is an agent for opera singers and oh, wow. um, uh, opera singers and classical musicians in London. And he constantly wants to get me work. I'm Sam, I don't want to be the narrator in a children's version of Peter and the Wolf. Please stop. Like, it's not... They're not going to let me tell the jokes I want to tell. Are they? I'm worried now to think there's an adult version of Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, but it's Peter and the Bear.
2: Okay, that's different. Oh, the the crowd understands. Big Berlin, (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: Is there a children's book you would like to read?
3: Maurice Sendak, Where the Wild Things Are.
0: Oh, good choice. Yeah, Yeah, I
3: was raised with that. And I think there's something beautifully wholesome and um, whether or not Maurice meant it, uh, subtly queer about it, Mm -hmm. subtly queer-coded perhaps, or at least certainly as a queer kid reading it. Um, I remember being obsessed with transformation. Mm-hmm. It's one of the subconscious things, I think. And a boy who doesn't seem to be able to control his anger, doesn't seem to be able to fit in at home. It's a light bulb going off the idea? <laughs> <laughs> and then escaping to this amazing free world full of other monsters that are derived by society. That mm-hmm. That's one that would work for me, I think.
0: I always wanted Max's onesie. Yep. in that book yeah, so, great, yeah. great onesie great is onesie great onesie fluff and everything yep. yeah <laughs> um Ruben if you think about the idea of six degrees of Carly bacon I presume you've heard of six degrees of Kevin bacon six degrees <laughs> of Carly bacon is the Jewish equivalent um who is your, i heard you're laughing. You found that funny.
3: <laughs> that is ridiculous. So
0: we, we worked very hard on these very subtle puns. Lockdown <laughs> was
2: tough on us all. We, we had to come up with puns and things. That's what we came well, up I mean, with. I mean, yeah. I'm here for a pun. And I
0: did yeah. a logo for it, which was literally like a red circle with a line through it, And a six, a degree sign, and a picture of bacon. And our producer said, That's a bit on the nose, is what he said. So we weren't allowed to use it. Yeah, um, so we
2: used Pepper Pig
3: instead. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Does Peppa Pig have the red the red oh, line through it? As a dad, I can tell you, Peppa Pig should
2: always have the red line through it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, love <Jane>. <laughs> uh, It's sort of a pig pastrami, isn't it, Peppa Pig? <laughs> isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, it, it has the peppercorn belt. You all knew what I meant. Um, uh, if you think about the idea of six degrees of can't eat bacon, I still like it. Um, who is your most interesting Jewish connection
3: I think I'm cheating on this because my mum is quite a well-known filmmaker in Australia and my dad was kind of quite, um, quite. He's an, he was a painter and sculptor wow. in Melbourne and Australia and had sort of shows in. he's in the, he's part of the show, my show, is um, uh, exhibitions throughout sort of Tel Aviv and London and uh, Paris and Melbourne. So, uh, interesting people like Arnold Zabel and Mirka Mora who were really Large um, figures in the diaspora in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arnold Tap was an amazing writer. Mora painted these incredible murals. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people like that. I think mm-hmm. I don't know if that's interesting to people outside of Australia. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of
0: what been... was their influence on you or specific. Oh, to you? I was
3: my fa- my house was surrounded by by art, by painting and by sculpture, and my dad was such um was such a a, a born educator teacher and he really wanted to find or he tried to teach because i was such a child if you can imagine he really wanted to try to find calming things for me because basically he just didn't want me to be medicated which was what was that we were going to we try and do right um and he wanted to try and find that amazing balance in great art of precision and freedom mm-hmm. so it's precision without constraint and i think merca paintings certainly have that there's this amazing flow to them mm-hmm. and yet the whole is completely cohesive and there's a thought there's a very dedicated thought towards it and Arnold Zabel's writing it's, it's very human and it's very real and very f- calculated at the same time mm-hmm. yeah those are two two mm-hmm. people i would say whether or not it's sort of interesting oh i'm two degrees of separation away from helen hunt Oh
0: look, there's excitement in the room. Now. I was interested good. in all the arts. Like, and actually, two
3: degrees of separation from Helen Hunt and Joanna Lumley. <gasps> how, <laughs> the, how camp is that? How camp is that?
0: Massive intake of breath yeah. for Joanna Lumley. So my
3: godfather Ben Lewin, who is um, used to have, he used to have the uh, uh, amazing title of the, uh, the last remaining man with polio. in in the world on surviving but that's not true now because it's making a good old comeback
0: Uh he must have been gutted I know (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: and he's a filmmaker uh, writer and director and he wrote and directed a film called The Sessions with Mm -hmm. Helen Hunt where she played the sex therapist to The Man in the Iron lung, which sounds like a parody description but it's not beautiful film And he uh, directed a show called Falling for Figaro, a movie called Falling for Figaro with Joanna Lumley in it about which she plays an opera coach. There
0: you go. He held
3: me at my bris. In my my mother's own words, we got a doctor to do your circumcision room because I'm sure that rabbi cut half your mother's (laughs) off. (laughs) Sorry, beep. <laughs> no, I
2: think that, that one we, we, yeah. can, we can allow for, right. for context. It's a, it's, 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 a to, it's a medical <laughs> term. It's a medical It's Yeah. 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 Um, not, not a dry eye in the house at that point. Uh, good. So we, we also want to think about how your Jewishness may have impacted on your work. This could be something specifically to do with the fringe or just how you uh, found your way into
3: cabaret. No, and, my Judaism gave me my work. My Judaism gave me. My connection to Jewish history and Jewish entertainers gave me my content, gave me my form. People look at the work I do um, and they say, Oh, it's just very fresh. It's just very new. And I'm like, I'm doing the oldest thing in the world. I am a song and dance man telling jokes. I am um, following in the footsteps and privileged enough to do so of people like Danny Kay, of people like the Marx Brothers, of people like Jackie Mason, and Joan Rivers, and Bette Midler. People who, throughout time, even you go back to, you know, Fritz Grunbaum, who is one of those comedians who walked out on stage during the show and there was nothing on stage that had a single spotlight on him. He said, "Nothing. I see nothing. It must be." Um, this quote, um, so we this Great. He said nothing. <laughs> nothing. It must be the social. It, it must be the social democrats' cultural policy. Something like that. Wow. Yeah. And then the next day he was in Dachau. Wow. Well, you know. So there's this great. Um, there's a great history of, of us entertaining, and entertaining in a way that deliberately points out injustice, that deliberately tries to make the world a better place, and can make us laugh at the darkness. Yeah. That, that is something thats yeah. something has been... My family were in Theresienstadt, which was known as the model ghetto, mm. and it, there was a lot of
2: cabaret in there, and because they had Jews from all over Europe that were transported there, a lot of the cabaret happened in a, a different language, so the Germans didn't know what was being said, Mm -hmm. it was an initial sort of form of protest in a way, because they could say what they wanted, nobody else understood. So it it was very much for them. That's
3: incredible. I
2: think it's it's great to be able to carry that on.
3: So there's a guy who's um, and I were talking about making a documentary called, We Killed All the Funny People, um, which is a quote, a Robin Williams quote, Mm -hmm. that was being interviewed on German TV. And uh, they said, why do you think there's not a lot of Mm -hmm. comedy in Germany? And Mm -hmm. he said on National (laughs) Review, you killed all the funny people. Yeah, look, oh, oh. Look, oh. I mean, it's very funny! It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very funny! Steven
2: Spielberg did similar when he asked John Williams to do the music for Shins List. John Williams said, I, I'm in no way qualified to do this. And uh, Spielberg right. said, yeah, but everyone who is is dead. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, yeah. True. Um, And you distract distracted me with that quote. Um, oh, sorry. yeah, yeah. So, sorry, it's your, I it's your show, no, I apologize. No, 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 no. I just have... This is how they want to do it. Uh, and we were doing a lot of research into performers in camps, and he was doing more than me, Um, but he was telling me stories of that in the barracks, in the sleeping um, arrangements, they would do private shows for each other, but of course no one was allowed to laugh because any laughter would attract the attention of the guards, but it was sort of like still the ultimate chase to get a laugh. Mm -hmm. And and then it'd be this laugh, but everyone would shut up, and it's like, oh, that is so... Such an amazing, um, such an amazing thing to want to laugh, but mm. know that a laugh could mean death, and have that knife edge. I would, that kind of thing is incredible to me. But it was, and it's still, swat, like the instinct was still there mm. to entertain, to yeah. connect. Yeah,
2: and it's a form of protection as well. Mm-hmm. You kind of protect yourself and the other people from the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So look at the film "Life Is Beautiful." Roberto Benigni mm-hmm. he, he plays a dad trying to protect his son from the horrors of, of the war. So He keeps up this clown like uh, persona throughout. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned a lot of great uh, Jewish artists there. Um, is there one in particular you think has really been an influence on how you perform now?
3: Um, I'm a firm believer in if you have one reference, your work will be derivative. Mm-hmm. But if you have a hundred, all of those different things meld together to create something, to create something incredibly new or incredibly new and genuine. Mm-hmm. So I would say that there are moments where... I am lifting from Danny Kaye. Yeah. There are moments where the rhythm comes from Jackie Mason. There are moments where the style or the the pacing comes from Bette Midler. Moments like that. There are moments where I take the idea of how Steven Spielberg can push schmaltz into something with so so much reckless abandon that it could almost be parody if you just yeah. raised an eyebrow. And that's kind of an amazing thing to go. Okay, so I'm going to write this incredibly. Um, sentimental section and deliver it very genuinely but I'm going to raise an eyebrow at this point and it, <laughs> it, it adjusts the lens or uh, oh, just before I went that red, there was another thing in my head that was, um, one of my favourite things is Barbara Streisand's Christmas album. <laughs> we have
0: a Christmas song. <laughs> so
3: I don't know, are you allowed to play it? Can I play yeah. it?
0: Um, can I, have I no idea. Well, I, I
3: don't, don't know. know. Let's Even find if it's just for the oil, my phone's dead. She does Jingle <laughs> Bells. Okay, yeah. Do you want me to find it? I, if you can. Yeah, Just oh, YouTube, Jing- Barbra Streisand, Jingle Bells It's Jingle Bells on crack <laughs> <laughs> it's, Is that what uh, you search for? This is the, um, And I did a version of it all about Hillsong In Melbourne, Hillsong is Justin Bieber's church It's one of those big mega churches that bases itself on contemporary rock music As the hook But then you stay for the homophobia The corruption and the sexual abuse <laughs> <sport>. uh, <laughs> trouble getting reception in here. Yeah, we're
0: this in a, uh, what are these things called? It's a shipping container. A shipping container. There's, there's
3: no guarantee
2: it will be where we left it when we Not got in. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: the fact yeah, is apparently, that... Apparently are are going
2: going to exactly, <laughs> that, that's the problem.
3: Oh, a, be a it so <laughs> it's um it's jingle bells at like 145 beats per minute, Right. and it's nuts, and so high, and the fact is that she's taken something so goyish, mm. and she's Jewed it up. <laughs> in, no, no. By its ridiculousness, by how ridiculous it is. I honestly I think I might even have it on my phone here downloaded because I listen oh. to it frequently. <laughs> right. It's Jewish written by a Jew, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah but right. all the Goyim sing it. Like they do all our songs and they yeah. do it badly and they clap on one <laughs> and three. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So it does sound like she's singing so fast she's worried about being caught. Correct. <laughs> it's an escape zone. I've got to get to the end.
1: Get to the end, get to the end, quickly. <laughs> I feel like
0: everyone's about to it is. Oh, it's so <laughs> good.
3: Yeah, it is. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's so fun. And things like that. Barbara Streisand's ability to almost lampoon herself. Yeah. Her funny lady, funny, what are you going to do? Oh, sugar of <laughs> Like all of that. She's doing old school, proper old school vaudeville. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we
2: originated the form. So yeah, yeah. I love that. I was introduced as an eight-year-old to Neil Diamond through his film The Jazz Singer, mm-hmm. which was a beautiful film, and uh, I didn't know who he was. I, I, I love the film, and uh, he has a Christmas album as well. That as a. A, like a, a pilgrimage thing. Every every year we drive to my aunt's for Christmas Day and I make my wife and kids listen to that album in the car. It's cheaper than Once, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're sat there going, this is a good Jewish boy who I got into as a good Jewish film. And whatever." And he did, his Christmas album is probably some of his most fantastic work.
3: It's true.
0: We love the songs. I was just thinking, like, Philip and I often talk in our stand-up yeah. and in other interviews, whatever, about what it's like to perform as out-Jews. Um, in different parts of the country where people might not have met Jewish people before. And certainly, like, people often haven't met a religious Jew before. Um, have you found there's any pushback on you? Because you obviously tour all over.
3: Yeah, uh, no, I just get a lot of, you don't look Jewish.
0: <laughs> Do you think I don't? <laughs> <laughs> no. I,
3: um, I just quickly just... Do you have a certain, like, Connie Francis' version of Hava Nagila? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the I mean, yeah. this is where I would be swearing. That is transcendental. Okay. And I think the reason why Christmas songs go is because they have that, they're like, um, they're the only hymns that Goyim have that are catchy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whereas we
3: have so many great songs that connect us to our religion that are absolute hits, like bops. Like, like Havvah is a great one. Yeah. Even Hatikva is a great no. one. The, the, the even 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 our, our prayer for the dead, the Kaddish, is mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. to sing. And the one, the Shema that we learnt in our in our synagogue had a great melody to it. You know,
2: As they're always making up new tunes for the song. The Don Alarm at the end of a service mm-hmm. can be put into any particular tune.
0: And my husband is a chazan, he leads the services, and he tries to always make those songs topical, including Kaddish. He'll do it like uh, he'll theme it to either what's in the news, like a topical comic, um, or what's in that week's Torah portion. So for example, the couple of weeks that are the story of Joseph, he is Andrew Lloyd Webbering it up in every possible moment. During the Jubilee, he did all kinds of like royal related he did something from Queen. Yeah, he tries that and it's an Orthodox synagogue, but you know, got to be a bit subversive just
3: because you're orthodox the your doesn't mean you don't have a sense of humour you have to have a hu- you have, to have a sense of humour if you're having sex through a hole in a sheet <laughs> 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 like, you've got to laugh
2: uh, and you have to do it topically depending on what's in the news that week correct
3: exactly
0: it's <laughs> also because some people will just not recognise the song and they'll think it's just but like they don't recognise
3: the person i like the, you look after yeah. the <laughs> sheet you pull back make sure it's the right person <laughs> <laughs> Depends how big the sheet
0: is but uh, yeah, but then uh, for the people who do recognise it, if it's like only one yeah. or two people, like when he did Queen and that uh, not everyone recognises yeah. it, it's ironically an Easter egg, isn't it, for yeah. those people? Thank you very much, take yeah. the week off. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Sometimes the things you do that only a few people get and
3: a few people understand, yeah. there are tiny little bits in the show that are like, oh, you wouldn't really get this if you weren't you know, part mm-hmm. of this community, part of this, community. you wouldn't really get it if you weren't part of the queer community, you wouldn't yeah. get it if you weren't part of the Jewish community. And they are, as you say, ironic Easter eggs for us.
0: And um, when I come to your show, do you want me to just stand up and say, that's a Jewish bit? Absolutely. So like everyone knows. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Yeah.
3: Excellent.
0: In this part of the show, which we like to call Duolingo, we like to ask people, what is your favourite Jewish or Yiddish or Hebrew expression?
3: My grandmother's Russian swearing is particularly Jewish, but really packs a punch. Um, my dad went for a big period of... Um, Yiddish Curses. See, my dad speak Yiddish when he thought he was speaking German. It was really cute.
0: It uh, really cute. cute. It
3: is. Um, that good one of, um, may your feet be made of wood, your stomach be filled with water, and your head be made of glass. So when your feet catch fire, your stomach boils and your head explodes. Oh, it's wow. great. <laughs> okay, I got
0: oh, a Yiddish.
3: A, that slaps. can
0: sound really aggressive, but also yeah. you, you can do it in like a Royal Shakespeare Company type voice and everyone go, oh, that's beautiful.
2: What does it mean? <laughs> does the that, that bit sounds like an Edinburgh show?
0: Yeah. Like you
3: start with it, and then by the end you go, ah, that's
0: beautiful. beautiful.
3: <laughs> do you know, um, one thing, because I went to a musical theatre college, because that's what you do when you have a hyperactive homosexual child, you just send them to musical theatre college, you think, oh, well, you'll learn something, and you'll be tired <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I was singing, reviewing the situation in from Oliver, yeah, and... Um, Ron Moody Ron yeah. Moody just Ron Moody and even if Ron yeah. Moody in the 12 Chairs by Mel Brooks hope yeah. for the best expect the worst that's mm. like there you go Judaism in a sentence
0: yeah and a lot of people don't like that reviewing the situation because they think it's a little bit submit, but it's got such a delicate touch to it that song it's oh. all in the performance I of think it's of it. lovely um, mm.
3: but I remember doing it and uh, I remember my my music coach at music theatre school went huh just
0: why are you playing in
3: Jewish and I was like, I am in the wrong school. I am not like, read the book.
0: What did they say when you played Tevye? Oh, I know.
3: They were just like, mm, we think we want to add a crucifix.
2: <laughs> so in, when I was in drama school, they did fiddle on the roof, and I put myself forward for the role of Jewish consultant because I knew they were going to get this wrong. And I've turned up for the first rehearsal, with the guy playing Tevye, who ended up being very good, I can't remember his name, I'm sure he was very good, uh, it was saying Lachian. L-
0: the Chayim. Yep. Oh, that's so, so offensive. Yeah. So
2: I, I put myself up as this kind of Jewish consultant. I think they were very grateful in the end. Of it. The Chayim. The Chayim. The Chayim.
0: How can you not know that song? I mean, really,
3: that's made me very angry. Yeah. Just the role. Yeah. He's called the Jew in the book. Yeah. You know. And the music the alone gives you the clue. Like why else? Why else in Dickensian London is there suddenly clarinets?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is weird. Random musical, bit of klezmer. Yeah. Klezmer improves everything. you know what? How
3: about this? In Melbourne, I was in, in my amateur music theatre days, I was in the Jewish Youth Music Theatre production of Fame.
0: (laughs) You need to come and see my show. It has a lot about Fame in it.
3: Great. Because guess what? The Jewish Youth Music Theatre, strangely enough, didn't have a lot of people of colour. Really? So I had to play Tyrone, who's the black kid who can't, can't read but can dance. Oh, Leroy. But Leroy, Leroy Leroy in the L- movie tyrone in the musical yeah. on stage yeah. musical yeah well
0: that's a noise <laughs> and but I'm they restyled him as
3: a punk so I had like a mohawk and chains but I still had to dance and sing and rap in with entirely black new york references J- but it was a they, band
0: did they no it was all no, pale, pale, pale. No, just, no, it was all
3: but they didn't, have a, the, they, didn't, they didn't really have a rock band. They had a klezmer band doing the score from fame. So <laughs> someone's uncle had a, had a wedding band. So it was like... <laughs> it
2: so we, right. we, can, we, can, <laughs> we can give you another second degree of planting bacon. Because one of our previous guests was Valerie Lalsberg, who was uh, Doris Schwartz in fame.
0: Yeah, so, so, I uh, fangirled, yeah. like, you cannot begin to comprehend <laughs> yeah. to the extent it, why... Thank
2: God we were doing it remotely. Yes, oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And... otherwise
3: you would have sung The Body Electric all over.
0: <laughs> that's my favourite. How did you know that would be my favourite? Um, sorry, yeah. it's when they want to stand up. See The Body
3: Electric.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to have in my head now for rest of this. But also, we have, like, when we were recording, we had a WhatsApp chat going with Russell, our producer, and they just... I just had to accept that I, I we arranged that I would message them everything I shouldn't be saying out loud to Valerie Lanser. Yeah. So, I just kept yeah. messaging things like, I can't believe that's her kitchen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that's her chair. Yeah. Okay, Lanser was that. drinking She's was of breakfast. it was
3: outrageous. I'm <laughs> happy amazing. you had that separate avenue yeah. for those yeah. thoughts. It was, it was so
0: exciting because obviously that's who I wanted to be when yeah. I was young Doris Schwartz in fame. And, um, I think. I have replicated it 100%, haven't I? Um, some of you saw my show today. Am I on my Irish 100%. Yeah, a bit, bit more religious. And than you should her see maybe. her kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> orange juice everywhere. Yeah.
2: So if you want to catch that show, it's on. It's one of our podcasts, which is still on whatever platform you get your podcast on. You? And you can listen out to see whether you can tell when Rachel gets distracted as she's <laughs> WhatsApping rather than actually asking a question. Yeah.
0: When I asked her, I genuinely was, when she said yes, I have mixed feelings about whether it's good, you know, like meeting your hero, your heroine, that can be like a thing. And um, and then I messaged Russell and I said, like, your one job, forget producing the show, your one job is to make me not look like a moron in front of Valerie Land. To whatever. be
3: fair, that's the smartest thing you can do is place your, this sounds like a lie, but like placing your dignity, you know, in the hands of someone else when you know for sure that you will be trying not to slip yeah, is yeah. really smart. At least oh,
0: thank you. If yeah. I'd had that kind of validation as a child, I wouldn't need to
3: do this. So. That's why <laughs> yeah. we have Thanks. homosexuals. That's <laughs> why we give validation to everyone except ourselves, uh, and then we bully each other about it. <laughs> uh, That's the show. <laughs> uh,
0: I can't, I can't do an effective click, click, click. I just, <laughs> I, I just have someone's mum.
3: I should have brought fans. I had like the clack fans, our merch, okay. Okay. There's, like clack fans that say, um, "My gender pronoun is talented." Oh, oh,
1: I really yes.
3: yeah.
2: I did see somewhere
3: someone had said they were a comedian, so their pronouns
2: were he he. That's terrible. <laughs> uh,
1: I did. Say it wasn't mine. I just <laughs> saw it
2: somewhere. somewhere. M- mine, just to slip this in. Mine uh, is uh, when cause my dad's also uh, trying to come to terms with all kinds of new things in society oh, now, yes. and he, he he's like, oh, I suppose if I want, I could I could self-divine as a donkey. I'm like, yeah, the
3: pronouns would be hee-haw. That's very funny. So, I mean, uh, and he'd be very popular in certain areas of Berlin. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, if job. he's going to take that identity seriously, he's better make some money out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He has to. It counts, it won't work. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, because we have got a little bit of time, uh, whether any of you had a question you would like to ask, because this is a live recording. So any of you have a question for Ruben? You'll look horrified. <laughs> a lot of pressure. What made you want
3: to do this show? The, the current show that I'm doing? Oh, this show. And this show. So, like,
0: did you so. talk into me? <laughs> did you talk to me?
3: Do you talk to me. I wanted to do my show. I've got two shows here. I've got a show called The Butch is Back and a late-night show called The K-Hole here. And the K-Hole is a late-night queer protest variety show, punk party, because I wanted to get back to the roots of drag as... Because I'm in drag when I'm performing. Uh, drag as punk. Drag as rebellion drag is protest and transgression because I do think that there is as wonderful as representation is and as wonderful as assimilation is there is a part of drag that has now become incredibly homogenized and it's about being pretty mm-hmm. and that has ties to oh there's only one kind of pretty and it's how useful are you if you're pretty, are you being useful? Not not for me, for my taste so I want to do that. My solo show I wanted to explore the link between fathers and sons. I wanted to give a cautionary tale to parents um, and hope to children who want to come out because my father stumbled on my coming out, but we still had a fantastic relationship um, after a certain period. So I wanted that to be a lesson in there. Um, And I wanted an excuse to sing uh, Bobby Gentry's Fancy. Uh, So that's in there. I wanted to do this show because I will always support my community even though I'm not particularly religious. Uh, one of the joys of being a Jew is that our community extends far beyond religion. Mm-hmm. It extends into history, it extends into culture, it extends into joint, uh, joint joy and oppression. And visibility matters. Um, and showing showing Jews... Choose in entertainment. What a groundbreaking concept! <laughs> but um, don't tell me, Don't Shut up. Yeah. Wait till they hear about the media and the banks. Uh, <laughs> and I just wanted to. I didn't know what the audience was going to be. I'll always. I'll always jump into things headfirst. That's how. So they would not leave me alone.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's this, is, this is media. true. Every form of social media. Yeah. Just
2: just for anyone who is concerned about Jews controlling the media, we are currently doing a show in
3: a box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
2: this that, is that true. They,
1: <laughs> that they have literally called... The box. <laughs> there's, no, there's no irony here. There's no, no, we can't. Oh, an, an arena. Oh, we're in the
3: round. No, it's, so you're not making the front page of the Guardian. Someone is not lifting their weight in the bunker with the lizard people and the Illuminati. Where is their money? Absolutely. No, seriously,
0: um, I remember actually when there was the uh, bombing of the Manchester Arena, which is like a terrible, horrifying thing. Made my mum worried about me in this career, and I said, to her, "I think you've got a wild we need to worry that I'm going to be in an arena that anyone's going to attack. Like, You're probably fine for a bit, and now I'm here in Edinburgh in a Box, so which uh, is <laughs> like an I arena." I thought she meant,
3: "Oh my god, they're going to find some way to spin this on the Jews oh, the and Jews. our Jews," like which is also when oh, no. I say another thing that we come up with, and it happens to me as a queer person when certainly when the pandemic came up and they started, they edged towards, "Oh, it's spreading through the queer community." I was like, "Of course." course you're going to make this about us. And as Jews, we feel the exact same thing. I mean, I'm sure do. you do, because I know I do. We go, oh, this thing's happened. How are they going to make it about us? Yeah. How? Yeah.
2: yeah. It did happen slightly when swine flu was a thing, because obviously the pork com- connotation. Yeah. So so I think when, when swine flu was announced, there was talk among the Jewish yeah. community too, or the people who were not fans of the Jewish community
3: yeah, as well. So and I mean, I think the same thing happens in the Muslim community every time there's a terrorist attack. Yeah, They yeah. go, oh, right. We, great, right. it's going to be on us, even yeah. though most terrorists are white, disenfranchised, heterosexual, mm-hmm. mainly Christian men. Mm-hmm. Son, you mm-hmm. said terrorist, I heard heard Tor- yeah. uh, Tories. <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard Tories. Same thing. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> so white, heterosexual men. Just good. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Great question. Very good. So, we, we'd we like to give you a chance to plug where people can get hold of you to find you. Yeah. So, let me ask you in a more formal way, because uh, this is nearly all we've got time for. But how will our audience know what you're up to? If you don't call, mm-hmm. you don't write. Uh, <laughs> normally, we would allow 20 seconds for
3: this, but for you, 30. Oh, my goodness me, what a bargain. You can go on all of my social medias. They're all my name. Ruben K. I actually took my stage name from Danny K. Oh, cool. Because my original name, I can tell totally you this, I'm not fussed about it, is Krum. Krum. Krum, which is German for crooked, which is lovely. <laughs> um, and I, my, my middle name I actually named after Raoul Wallum. Oh, Raoul Wallenberg. Oh, no. I
0: like, I'm mom, really sorry. We have to start
3: again. <laughs> no, my mum my uh, made a documentary about uh, the disappearance of Raoul Wallenberg called Between the Lines, um, that won, won the AFI, which was straight in from this york. Um, and uh, she was very close to this family. So there's a connection. There's a,
0: Very good.
3: There's a Kevin Bacon for you.
0: Uh, and um,
3: I have my two shows are on at Checkpoint, which is an assembly checkpoint up on Bristow Place. It's an abandoned church, and I couldn't think of a better place. <laughs>
0: it's do my show.
3: It's at 9.30 p.m. Uh, I have me and my band, Ruben K., and the Close Contacts. And we... Um, it's a full hour... Uh, actually, it's a 90-minute show, that one.
0: A part. Jewish hour, then. The Jew- it's Did a Jewish you- hour. Because you have
3: to
2: have it's coffee, okay? It's now. an hour of show and 30-minute goodbye. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then um, that's on Wednesday to Sunday. And then on the- Friday to Sunday... I have a late show starting at eleven forty called the K Hole, and that's where I take my favourite acts from around the fringe, and we throw them up on stage. We have—it's uh, a bit of a wild ride. There's nudity, transgression, audience interaction, very few rules. It's a lot of fun, and it's a very amazingly positive, uplifting, and safe space for the people in the audience, mm-hmm. despite the fact that on stage there is wonderful things. Okay. <laughs> so, Rachel, when are you on that?
0: I can't. Yeah. Know. I was in a cabaret show last night, which involves all of those things and one very orthodox tune. Wonderful, so it thing in the corner. A, it was the magic faraway cabaret. Oh, uh, so it's lovely. Um, yeah, so there was burlesque, not by me. I I, I could have lifted a quarter of my tiffle briefly, but wouldn't want would to put the audience I
3: would, to do that. I would die. <laughs> to see Orthodox Jewish burlesque. Yeah. We'll be just, just putting more clothes on. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. But in or a maybe very it delaying like some way. Some harm here. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: don't know, you
0: saw what i packed. Um, uh, lovely. Uh, and, and after The Fringe?
3: After The Fringe, we're going to the Soho Theatre. We're playing the big room in the Soho Theatre, which I'm very excited about. So I was, it was small room last time before the pandemic. So we're there from the 2nd till the 10th. Then I have two nights in Berlin at the Wintergarden, there with Sheila Wolf hosting for them. Uh, and then I'm going to Zurich, and I'm hosting a show called Pink Rabbit for the month of October, which is um, another very, very sexy cabaret. Uh, and then at the end of that, I'm going to where our people go, and that is cruise ships. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on the ocean going in the ocean. I love it. Australian cruise ships are generally filled with people who would not necessarily say are our. They're not my demographic, right? <laughs> but I love it because I like to call them all boat people, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't know how to take it. Because in Australia, there was this big thing of stop the boats. We don't want refugees in our country, despite the fact that we have so much space. And um, I said, "Well, look." I came to this country, my family came to this country as refugees. My, my grandfather was on the De Nira ships, two of which were sunk by Japanese torpedoes. One mm-hmm. which survived, he was on it. You are here with me now. We are all, whether we like it or not, both people mm-hmm. in this moment. And it's a lovely equalizer. I'm doing that and then I'm writing a couple of extra shows for next year and I can't wait to come back to Edinburgh. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Aww. That all sounds fab. And I've absolutely loved this. And from now on, I'll always think of Ruben Kay as the Jew who loves jingle bells and will only tour anywhere you can get fresh dill. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) And,
2: And as my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls, you must have better things to do than talk to me. And you must have better things to do than talk to us, which is a good thing. And sadly, we've come to the end of this live show, we'd like to thank our wonderful guest, Ruben K. Follow him on social media.
0: Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G.
2: Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with everyone you know.
0: And join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. Yeah. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo!
1: well that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed doing that we've got two more in this live series coming up join us next week where our guest will be the fantastic comedian and good friend ian stone